Hello and welcome to Left Foot Finish, all things Premier League, UEFA Champions League, and Serie A. A legend in Wayne Rooney retires and loses his first match as a full-time manager for Derby County. John Stones waits six years for his first Premier League goal and then gets his second 40 minutes later. Mikel Antonio returns for the Hammers and helps to put them within three points of European competition. And Liverpool takes on Manchester United in the Northwest Derby in Jurgen Klopp's 200th Premier League game. This is Left Foot Finish, Match Day 19. So let's jump right in with Manchester versus Liverpool in the Northwest Derby. Uh, obviously, Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez still out, so Klopp ends up going with Henderson and Fabinho again at the centre-back position, which essentially it means Allison is going to be have to is going to have to play as a as a third centre back for them. Um, looking at that starting eleven, I wasn't convinced with them in the back, but you look at the bench and there wasn't. There wasn't much there. I mean, you could try Reese Williams at center back, but I think going up against a team like Man United, obviously you want to have a little bit more experience back there, and Henderson is your captain. And Fabinho has just been a workhorse for Liverpool for the past however many seasons. So all in all, it's not a with what they have, it's not a bad decision, um, but it still is dangerous when you're going up against the likes of, of Rashford and, and Martial. I thought that you know Manchester United could have really exposed them, um, and they did at times with Martial and Rashford running either at them with the ball or making direct runs, and Bruno Fernandez or or Paul Pogba putting in uh, putting in long balls, and you could really expose Henderson and Fabinho that way, especially Henderson. I don't think the foot speed is there to compete with with Martial or Rashford. You know, both both teams played well. They they had they set up their tactics. It was obvious right from the get go. Everybody in their mom was calling it. You know, Man United was going to sit back, defend, hit Liverpool on the counter attack. That's when they're dangerous. Obviously, Liverpool under Klopp has been a lot of fun to watch. Very attacking. They have the ability. They have the players. They have the quality. And that's what Liverpool does. They just come at you. So it's a four three three setup for Liverpool and for Manchester. I liked United's setup going into it. I liked Shaw over Alex Telles in the left back position. He is a better defender than Tellez, and as everybody knows, Liverpool's attack comes mainly flows mainly through their wingers. And so, putting in Shaw was good. You lose a, a bit of speed, but he's a much better defender. He's still good um, when going in the, into attack. He can draw a few fouls. Liverpool, on the other hand, Becker and Net, Robertson and Trent Alexander Trent Arnold on the outside. As we mentioned, Henderson and Fabinho at centre back. Thiago in the middle along with Wijnaldum and Jordan Shakiri, who was making his first start in more than a year. I, I thought that was an interesting play, uh, putting in Shakiri. But again, looking at the bench, I mean, is Milner really going to give you what you want in that position? Probably not. Caleb Jones, still kind of young. Shakiri's not a bad option. The front three, obviously, Firmino, Salah, and Mane. What was interesting was Manchester hasn't been very great at defending the set piece this year. They didn't really give up too many, uh, too many chances off of set pieces, hardly any fouls in dangerous areas. Uh, but Liverpool, on the other hand, fielded a pretty small team. That's definitely was an area that uh, Manchester could have could have exposed. I mean, you have the the quality of Fernandez, Pogba, Rashford, even Martial to some extent to put in a ball, and somebody can get a head on it. Maguire, although I've never really been convinced of Maguire's heading ability. 
other than he can get his head to it, but it's going to go nowhere near the net. And like I said before, I wasn't convinced on Liverpool's back four, but you look at the rest of the team and the way they play and how Klopp has them set up. That front six of Liverpool is scary good. So if they can just keep it in Manchester's half, force the play, you know, they've got a chance. All Henderson and Fabinho have to do is not make any silly mistakes. I can admit it when I'm wrong, I was wrong. You know, you didn't hear too much from Henderson, which as a center back, that's a that's a good thing. Fabinho was classic Fabinho. He was pretty strong, did what he needed to do. But Henderson, you hardly noticed, and that's what you want from your center back. That's, that's a captain stepping up. So it's quite clear from the off, each team had a game plan. Liverpool was going to go after Man United. It really, they, they were playing for the win. They were playing for first, which was exciting. Manchester United, on the other hand, I don't think any team ever w- uh, would intentionally play for a draw right off the bat. But as the game goes on and it's still nil-nil, you could tell that they were definitely okay with one point at, at with one point for each of them. I mean, keep things status quo. Got Fulham coming up next. That should be a win for Manchester United. You know, you get your three points there. Liverpool has been struggling as of late. Not so much on defense as everybody had thought. I know they lost to Southampton. You know, they're coming off that one nil loss to Southampton with Henderson and Fabinho, but it hasn't really been the D. That's been a problem for them. Uh, it's something like they've only conceded five goals in the last nine matches, and that's without Virgil van Dijk and Gomez. It's it's scoring for them, which has never been a problem. I mean, they're still, I believe, the highest scoring team in the Premier League. But the last few games, you know, can't get anything past Southampton. You know, no goals against Newcastle, one goal against uh, West Bromwich Albion. Uh, other than that, Seven nil thumping at for against Crystal Palace. You know they've been they haven't been that great. There obviously there was that four one win in the FA Cup against Villa, but let's face it, Villa basically had the you know under twenty three reserves in. So bit of tactics there maybe from from Manchester United. You know you can get the draw. Uh, see if Liverpool's poor form continues. I mean that's not the best way to do things. Liverpool's form, obviously, is going to eventually come back. You you have to believe that it would with the likes of Salah, Mane, Firmino. I mean, that's that's a really good team. And, you know, Man United came in with the game plan as well. Uh, sit back, defend, bend, don't break, and hit Liverpool on the counter. I would have liked to have seen a bit more, a bit more attacking against particularly Henderson. I think uh, Martial and Rashford could have turned him on the run quite easily. Uh, whether with the ball or, or making a diagonal run in, or even just a straight run in with a diagonal ball across. You know, they, they almost look like one of those classic Italian teams. With that defense they were playing consistently throughout the whole game, they had 11 men behind the ball. And it was next to impossible for Liverpool to get anywhere through that, let alone get a shot off, uh, especially coming up through the middle, which I thought they tried too much to do. A lot of their high-quality chances came from when they played through the wing. And crossed it in or cut it back in, um, but there was there was plenty of times when Liverpool, you know, tried moving it up the middle, getting a shot off, and 
It's either wide or hitting legs. Manchester United did a great job of getting men behind the ball, sitting back, letting Liverpool come to them. And they never truly looked worried throughout the whole game. I don't think there was a lot of United fans out there that had uh, sweaty palms watching that Liverpool attack. There just really wasn't much there. There wasn't a lot of creativity like there normally is. There wasn't a lot of excitement. Uh, to some extent, you know, Firmino, Nay, Salah, they didn't, they didn't look into it. They didn't look like they were enjoying themselves. I, you know, it could be the lack of goals is, is getting to them. But Man United played it well. They stopped what they had to and they countered when they needed to. And that counter looked pretty good. Uh, unfortunately, there was no goals. You know, I was talking about this with my friend. A lot of these big matches now in the past few years, there's a lot of hype to them. But unfortunately, they don't always live up to expectation. Now, as a pure soccer fan, these nil-nil draws or 1-1 draws, 1-0 games, they can be very exciting. I personally uh, didn't mind this match. I thought there was good moments, but it, it didn't have it didn't have the feel of a classic Liverpool Manchester derby. Uh, it could be the fact that there's no fans, you know, it's a weird season or each of their tactics worked well against one another, kind of canceling each other out. The first two minutes seemed like we were going to have a great match until and then after that there wasn't much. It just seemed seemed to kind of slow down. Liverpool would come at them, Manchester defend, clear it, move it back up. Liverpool comes back at them and repeat. Liverpool did look pretty susceptible on the counter. There were there were moments when uh, I felt Rashford and Martial, even Pogba, could have exposed Henderson and Fabinho a bit more. Rashford made some great runs. I think he got caught offside too many times. I mean, to me, if I was Rashford, I know that I'm going to beat Henderson. So I would have been more wary. I would have liked to have seen him be more wary of, of the offside. A few of those were really close. And like I said, Henderson... Played it really well at center back. He was aware of his line. So was Fabinho. And and they caught Rashford. But you can tell they had a game plan and, and they stuck to it. Uh, they they wanted to play on the break with long balls and runs in behind. I think there was a moment there in the 43rd minute. Instead of switching the play, and you could see, I think it was Fred was calling at Lindelof to switch the play to the other side. But instead of doing that, he backed it up and then tried to dink in a long ball over the top to uh, Martial or, and or Rashford. Because um, that was th that was their game plan, and to some extent it was working. But Liverpool does such a good job with the high press. They did rush Manchester United a few times, and that's their game, and and they're quite good at it. Be but because they were playing, you know, quite opposite of Manchester, they didn't have eleven behind the ball. They were attack attack. They were suscept susceptible to the counter a few times, and it was nice to see the two different versions of, of attacking football there. Man U with the counter and Liverpool they playing with, with everybody up front. They have such good quality on the, that team. It, it is quite fun to watch, especially when the fullbacks get in. I remember it wasn't too, too long ago that Liverpool, <laughs> their weakest point was their fullbacks. And now look at them. They got Robertson and Alexander Trent Arnold. Arnold himself can dictate a game when he wants to from the right back position, which is always impressive. I like Wan-Bissak as well. You know, he's no slouch at the fullback position. He's pretty creative as well. So all in all, it was a good battle on, on either side. There were certain times when Liverpool looked a bit shaky on D. All they could really seem to do was foul any United player running at them uh, in order to stop them, which isn't a bad game plan. Uh, it, it did seem to work. So Cavani for Martial at the 60th minute. I mean, Martial really 
wasn't doing much, couldn't really create. Uh, Cavani, pretty experienced player. Not a bad idea to put him up front, move Rashford to the left, and and let Edison go up against the two uh, the two midfielders playing center back. You got to give credit to Henderson and Fabinho. They they held their own. There was a few some good tackles on Cavani. There was uh, again some fouls that they needed to take just to stop him, but but they held up. They didn't they didn't uh, give up any silly chances. No silly mistakes. I mean, if anything, it was actually. Man United's back four and Pogba even and especially Fred. I don't know what was going on, but they they just had unconvincing clearances throughout the whole game. And here we see some of the problems that Liverpool's been having. Uh, Liverpool of old, they're gonna make you pay. They're gonna punish you for that. Those sloppy turnovers right right outside the box. I think there was a lot of missed opportunities for Liverpool to put one away. United held strong, got legs in front. I would have liked to have seen. Liverpool come at them more from from the wide areas. They they definitely look dangerous attacking out wide. I wasn't overly impressed with Shakiri. He definitely favors that left foot of his, and it's very evident. Manu was playing off of him the whole game, letting him have his space. It was very it was very evident that he was going to want to put it on his left foot, try and curl it in. There was a few times. He managed to get a shot off, but nothing overly dangerous. I would have liked to have seen him use his right foot a bit more. I know early on he had an opportunity to smack one with the right, um, but ended up cutting it back to his left, and and that gave Lindelof and Maguire all the time they needed to come back and defend that one. Origi for Firmino in the 84th. Again, Firmino not doing much. Unlike Henderson at center back, where it's good that you didn't see notice him, you didn't notice Firmino, and that's a problem with your striker. I guess at this point, why not try Rigi up there? You never know what, what might happen. And interestingly, Man U seemed to pick up the pace in the last 15. Uh, they were looking even more dangerous on the counter. There was there was a lot more chances for Man U in the last 15, especially the last 10, than there was the whole game. It seemed like they were really playing for the win at that point. Um, which Usually, you see teams buckle down in that situation and and try to hold on to the draw. So it was it was nice to see, but... I don't want to say a disappointing derby, but definitely the hypes on these games tend to let us down. Uh, it certainly wasn't a classic Reds versus Red Devils, but the season is still close. It's three points between first and fourth, and it's four points between ninth and fifth. This has got to be one of the so far best Premier League seasons I can remember for a long time. The last one probably being Leicester's run when they won when they won the league. So a draw keeps it close. Keeps things interesting, and that's what we want. We want to keep coming back. We want to keep being entertained. Obviously, it would have been nice to see a goal, but as a proud Italian, watching Man United's staunch defense was impressive enough for me. And hey, at least Klopp didn't lose on his 200th Premier League game as, as manager. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back, recap the rest of the games, and dive deeper into the Battle of the Clarets. Hey everybody, this is Michael from Left Foot Finish. Thank you for clicking on us. The support is greatly appreciated. We can also be found on Instagram at Left Foot Finish. Please follow us on there. This podcast can be found on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. Please follow and subscribe. We'll be dropping new episodes every week following each match day for both Premier League and Serie A, as well as UEFA Champions League when it's on. Thanks again, and we can't wait to continue this adventure with everybody. Hey, welcome back. 
You're listening to Left Foot Finish. My name is Michael. And let's take a pass around the league. City tops Palace 4-0. That's to be expected. Um, John Stones scores his first Premier League goal. 40 minutes later, he scores his second. Tottenham take on the Blades and easily handle them 3-1. It was all Spurs from, from the off. Mourinho was playing Mourinho games even before the match started, telling the press that the Blades would be dangerous. In all honesty, this should have been and was an easy win for the Spurs. Uh, the Blades got off one goal. To be f- to be fair, was a lapse in concentration from the two center backs there at Tottenham. A left-footed cross in and headed home by Sheffield striker. Either either one of the, the center backs should have had that. Southampton coming off that 1-0 victory against Liverpool takes on Leicester in Leicester. I always enjoy watching Leicester. I'm glad to see Brendan Rodgers doing well. Vardy still looks like Vardy. There was some impressive play from Southampton, but in the end, Leicester triumphs 2-0. Madison's goal, pure effort. The second goal on the break just to seal it. In the West London Derby, Chelsea takes on Fulham at Craven Cottage, and only one goal separates them. Uh, again, you'd kind of expect Chelsea to win this, but all it would have taken was one bad bounce and could have been could have been bad news for Chelsea. Uh, Lampard selects Giroud over Tammy Abraham. He is a proven goal scorer, although nothing against Fulham. Brandon Hove Albion travel to Leeds, take on the newly promoted side. Leeds have been a joy to watch all season long. Uh, I love their play. They're fast, they're fun, they're creative, and who doesn't like rooting for an underdog? Unfortunately, they didn't get this one done. Brighton take it 1-0. The Baggies travel to Wolves and beat them 3-2. Always enjoy seeing Big Sam get a win, and it's his first one for West Brom. I do always appreciate how consistently not glamorous Sam Allardyce's teams are, and this one's no different. It takes two penalties for them to get past the Wolves. If anyone can keep the baggies out of relegation, it is Sam Allardyce, although this one is going to be tough. And early in the week, we had Crystal Palace traveling to Arsenal for a nil-nil draw. Uh, Arsenal certainly has much to worry about. I'm not entirely convinced Arteta will be there much longer. They need to do something, anything to figure this out. I think they've been behind the eight ball for many years now. They've been slow to adapt to the changing game, mainly uh, as it pertains to the front office. And lastly, Burnley traveled to London to take on West Ham in the Battle of the Clarets. And this was one that I really wanted to focus on. I've always liked West Ham and it's great to see them doing well again. It's nice to see David Moyes back in the Prem and and succeeding. He does quite well with these upper mid-table teams. And let's not forget he was Sir Alec Ferguson's hand-picked heir apparent, uh, if anybody wants to put any stock in that. And his side looked good. Uh, And the return of Antonio was a huge boost for them. I've always been a big fan of him. Never quite understood why he never got picked for the England squad. I mean, if I understand... You've got Kane ahead of him, but if Adam Alana is getting consistently selected to play for England, Antonio should definitely be up there. And he joined a good company today, scoring 40 goals in the Premier League for West Ham, joining Paolo Di Canio, Mark Noble, and Carlton Cole. So congratulations to Mikel Antonio. His fitness was a bit of an issue, but hey, he's just returning back. That can be improved upon. Lanzini is on the bench to start this one in place for Ben Rama, who impressed me a lot this game. I know Burnley are looking like a relegation side this year, and it's certainly going to be a fight for them to stay up top. But Sean Dyche teams have always been very difficult to play against. You look at the previous game, and Man United only managed to get one, one goal past them. So this was going to be a good solid test for for David Moyes' side. 
And from the get-go, the Hammers looked strong. Uh, they scored within the first 10. Nice little tap-in from Antonio, who manages to lose his mark in Tarkowski. There was a bit of a lapse in concentration there on his part, just letting Antonio kind of drift away from him and losing his man. Uh, he has been linked with a move to West Ham, although Burnley has rejected the Hammers' most recent offer. Although I think it might be a good thing. He did not look that good this game. You know, some sloppy play, gave it away a few times. Although West Ham's back four weren't much better in the first 15. Uh, as the match progressed, they they certainly improved, but there was a lot of tur- there was uh, a lot of unnecessary turnovers. But they're looking like a strong side. I think West Ham could could do really well this year and find themselves in European competition. Moyes has continued to build a strong midfield. They've got. Decent strikers up front and the return of Antonio is certainly going to help that. I, I do think, and that is why they were trying to get Tarkowski from, from Burnley. They do need to improve that back line. Angelo Albano is is doing his thing, but he's no spring chicken. And eventually those legs are going to run out. Diop's form has slipped and you don't want to keep Declan Rice back there. He was, he was playing in, in the mid, which is where he belongs. And with the armband, which I'm wondering might be a, tactic to convince him to stay at West Ham. I certainly would love to. I I know West Ham has always been one of those clubs that produces great young players and often sells them to some of the bigger pl- clubs. You look at Frank Lampard, Rio Ferdinand. We saw we saw Milan try this with Thiago Silva, giving him the Arband to convince him to stay. Aubameyang in Arsenal, giving him the Arband in an attempt to persuade him to stay. To stay. I certainly hope I certainly hope he does. But a player like that, you have to imagine, is is looking for something, is looking for a bigger club, which which always seems to be West Ham's problem uh, as to why they can never really make it to the next level. Even though they are a London club, they do lose out on a lot of star players. And West Ham kept coming at them. I never really saw much out of Burnley in the first, especially in the first half. Uh, and the set pieces of West Ham were dangerous. Burnley looked all over the place and couldn't do a thing about them. A couple dangerous corners early on, uh, a few dangerous free kicks. If Antonio was back to full match fitness, there could have been more than just a goal against Burnley. And both teams seemed to control possession in the in in the first half, but and nothing dangerous came out of Burnley's time with the ball in the first half. And we get to the second half and West Ham just keeps it up. All hammers for the first 20 minutes just all over Burnley. A lot West Ham looked really good when they played out wide. I think they needed to play out wide more than they did, especially with the likes of Bowen, who is second on the team in goals. And he can also create. His touch let him down a few times throughout the game. I really liked uh, Ben Rama. West Ham always seems to find a way to to get these these pretty clever midfielders, uh, like, like Lanzini, who came over from Syria, uh, like Payet, who... That did not end well, but for that one season, he was he was great, and and Ben Rama looked good. I mean, he still looking for his first Premier League goal, but I think there was a lot of positive play out of it. But I think it'll be important for him to take take a lot of positives away from that. A lot of his balls were in the right spot, perfectly weighted, perfectly timed, and and Burnley just couldn't get much going. Uh, they couldn't seem to figure out West Ham's back four and bringing on Rodriguez for Chris Wood didn't make much sense to me. Uh, you know, Kufal, Agbana, uh, and Dawson, they're, they're pretty big, strong center backs. And Wood seems to be the only one in that strike group that would have had a chance to to take on, to match them strength for strength. Uh, and you did notice it, Rodriguez. I don't want to say ineffective, 
but wasn't very noticeable out there and, and didn't do much to turn the play. West Ham held strong. They played their counter-attacking style. Uh, Moise has got them going. It worked for them. Uh, I think that's I think that's the right play against the Sean Dyche team. Uh, they're always solid defensively, and so you have to you have to hit them on the break when you can. And they did what they needed to do. That's those are the as Sir Alex Ferguson says. Those are the kind of games you need to win. West Ham got their three points and are now three points out of European competition. Unfortunately for Burnley and and for Sean Dyche, they're going to have to figure out how to put the ball in the back of the net. I think it'll be a close relegation battle if they if they can't sort that out, even with the likes of Fulham and Sheffield United in the league. Although let's face it, the blades are going down no matter what, and you can hold me to that one. And that has been the Premier League match day 19. Let's look ahead to next week's matches. Newcastle visiting Arsenal on the 18th. The way Arsenal's playing, I wouldn't be surprised to see Newcastle set the gunners on this one. Baggies traveled to London to take on the Hammers and Big Sam's return to West Ham. I think I'm gonna go West Ham on this one. Chelsea visits Leicester, Leicester for the win. Leeds Southampton has been postponed on the 20th United take on Fulham. I'm predicting Fulham seeing red that day. And of course, Liverpool taking on Burnley, two teams that can't score, so... 1-1 draw. Can't wait to revisit those and see how wrong I have been. I would like to end the show just by briefly talking about Wayne Rooney, uh, for who recently retired this weekend. For whatever you may think of him, love him, hate him, he was one of those players, but he truly is and was a, a modern football legend. 208 goals in 491 Premier League appearances, 120 caps for England. We actually use the sound from his overhead kick against Man City back in 2011 uh, in our promo just because we loved it that much and that was the only one that didn't have any commentary on it because it was such a pure football sound. I'll see if I can stick it in there for you so you can listen to it again. But he truly was the type of player that, that gave it his all. You could see it game in, game out, wore his heart on his sleeve, took pride in it. And, and that's why a lot of people, when he was on your team, loved him. Uh, and, and he truly was one of, the, one of the greats in most recent times. So good luck in management, good luck with Darby. Enjoy retirement. Congratulations, Wayne Rooney. Congratulations, Wayne Rooney. That's it, that's the sound. That pure footballing sound. That's our show, thank you again for bearing with us on our first episode. We can't wait to do it again. We can't wait to do it again next week. Until then, in the feet, out of the feet, left foot finish. <laughs>